0: Good morning, everybody. Well, how was the uh, Notre Dame game yesterday? Good, bad, yay. Uh, Jamie and I were up in uh, Mishawaka yesterday, and um, I didn't know that there was a Notre Dame going on, um, but I kind of figured as much when I saw everybody wearing uh, green and gold, so I figured, well, Notre Dame must be playing today. And then everything started emptying out. Like, we went to uh, the University Park Mall. And I mean, it was like crowded. There was like people everywhere. And then all of a sudden, everybody's gone. It's like, what's going on here? The rapture happened or something? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, we had a good time yesterday just uh, doing a little bit exploring and looking around and stuff like that. And uh, just had a good time there. Well, this morning we're going to be in Philippians again, Philippians chapter 4, and uh, this is going to be our last message here out of the book of Philippians, and we've been going through this series about forward, the forward motion that... uh, God has for the church, the forward motion that he has for us, uh, just to see what the Lord is capable of doing uh, in our lives and how the Lord will use us uh, through various different circumstances and things like that. And it's interesting, you know, with this book of Philippians, um, the Lord used this church in a, in a dramatic way to further the gospel, Paul was was just so encouraged by this church, as we'll read here uh, through some of our text, um, how God was using this church to bring people to Christ and how God was using this church to encourage Paul and help him in times of difficulty and trouble. And this morning, I really want us to focus in on living on mission. What does it mean to live on mission? What are we talking about when we talk about living on mission? we're talking about the Great Commission. And it's great because it includes the whole entire world. Uh, After our Lord was crucified, and he was buried, and he rose again, he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them. And during that time, before he ascended into heaven, he left with us what we call the Great Commission. It's given to us five times throughout uh, the scriptures. We find it here, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, and lastly in Acts chapter 1-8, as the Lord completes His command in giving to us and telling us that all power is given unto me, and He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you, and He says, you will be witnesses unto me. And so the Lord is with us the whole entire time as we partner together with him on living on mission, desiring his presence and making his presence known, moving forward with the gospel. So we're going to take a look here at at our text here in Philippians chapter number four, and we're going to see one individual that Paul really kind of directs our attention to, and this guy lived on mission. He was one that had it about himself that he was going to make sure that he was going to follow through with what the Lord had commanded him to do. So let's read our text here, Philippians chapter number 4. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin reading. Lord, we are just so grateful for uh, what you have done for us. Thank you for allowing us to come together here uh, for the purpose of meeting together to carry out the gospel. God, this isn't a club, this isn't a clique, this isn't a, uh, some type of, uh, you know, hobby thing that we're doing. God, you have instructed us and you have given us the power uh, to be reaching people with your message, the message of redemption, the message that you redeem people from their sins and bring them into a restored relationship with you. Help us to remember that that's our purpose. Everything that we do uh, should tie into that. And Lord, I thank you for all the guests that are here this morning. I pray that you put a blessing upon their life. Lord, I pray if they don't have a relationship with you, Lord, that they would seek and desire that. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted and lifted up here and that you would draw all people unto yourself. We thank you for this time around your word. Please bless the reading of it and the meditation upon it. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So Philippians chapter number four, we're going to begin reading here in verses uh, 15 through 17. Paul says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases To your credit, in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever Amen. So this text tells us about a man named Epaphroditus. And he was a man that lived on mission. He took the words of the Lord seriously. He knew that there was something that he could do in his life that he could carry out the Great Commission. Now, Epaphroditus, from what we know here, is he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't an elder, he wasn't uh, some type of super spiritual Christian, but he was just a faithful follower of the Lord. And evidently here, he gave, and he gave to Paul. He did something on his behalf to fulfill the Great Commission. So let's take a look here at a few things that Scripture tells us about Epaphroditus. Um, Let's look here at verse number 15. The Bible tells us here that it says that you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So here Paul talks about the beginning of the gospel. Paul talks about his mission that he says, hey, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna preach the gospel. And the Philippians, evidently, they had heard about this and no other church was willing to partner with Paul in this except the Philippian church. And Paul says, hey, You guys gave. You partnered with me with the gospel. And, you know, I think about the the churches collectively, the church, I would have to say, the body of Christ. You know, we are meeting here together, but there are far more other assemblies that are meeting this very morning around the world even. And they should be meeting for the common purpose of reaching people with the gospel And I sometimes think, what are we doing as a whole, collectively, not only here, but with other churches, partnering together to reach people for Christ? I think it's so important. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can sometimes lock ourselves up in divisions or in different rooms. And we can say, well, I'm not going to partner with that guy because they use the blue Bible and we use the red Bible. That's silly. That's crazy, okay? We should be partnering together for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, you guys partnered with me to live on mission. Notice the words here in these uh, verses, because I think this is so important. In verse 15, and I circled these words in my Bible, Paul says, no church entered into partnership with me in giving, I circled that word, and receiving, I circled that word. You know, this is a, a very interesting spiritual aspect of God's Word is when we give, we receive. Remember of the words of the Lord Jesus? He says, It's blessed more to give than it is to receive. And you know, one thing that I always found out is that you can never outgive God. Never. The more and more and more that you give, God just repays you back, sometimes with interest. Now, you may say, Mike, are you going to be talking about money today? No, not necessarily, okay? We're talking about giving. Giving your time, giving your talents, giving. We don't know exactly what Epaphroditus gave. It could have been a financial gift, or it could have been something else. The Bible's not very clear on that. But it is clear, however, that he gave to the needs of Paul for making sure that he could fulfill The great commission on his part. What has God given you? What has God given me to do to fulfill the great commission? It all might be different. But it should come down to the single purpose of reaching people for Christ. So here's Epaphroditus. And he gave. In verse 16, the Bible tells us, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So it wasn't just a one-time gift that this church gave to Paul. It was one time, but it was again. And Paul says, look, he says, you guys have been giving me and you've been giving to me. And he says, my needs are supplied. He says, I- I've been given so much. He says, my God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So in verse 17, Paul tells us, he says, not that I seek a gift, but that I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now I want you to think about that just for a moment. You know, all of us in here have a bank account, right? Okay, somewhere. Hopefully you're not stuffing money in your mattress anywhere, right? Okay. Um, your house will burn down and then you lose all your money. That's not good. Um, funny story about that. Um, My mom, she, well, my mom and dad, they, when we had that financial um, crisis back in like 2007, my dad had just recently taken uh, early retirement. So he went and got some of his money out of his pension fund. And he pulled all of his money out of his bank account and says, I'm going to store it in the house. Well, he stored it in the wall behind the oven. And guess what my mom did? She caught the kitchen on fire. But money didn't burn, but, you know, it was life lesson. Don't put your money in the kitchen. <laughs> kitchen, kitchen catch on fire. But here's the idea, okay? Paul says as we give, he says we receive. And fruit is added. It's credited to your account. You know, there are so many different ministries that we can be involved in. I mean, there's a lot of missions-type work that is going on even here in Elkhart County, Mishawaka, all over. I mean, we got the spa ministry. Uh, Katie mentioned to me about a, one called Retta. Um, but there's a lot of mission type work that we can be involved in. There are missionaries that go across the sea, and we are supposed to be sending them. Okay, I'm not going, you're not going, somebody has to go. So, when we send them and we give towards them, the Bible tells us that God adds to our account. He credits us. There's interest that comes with that. I heard a story about a guy that was, uh, he was homeless, and he went to a rescue mission. They started helping him out and everything. He had some problems and things like that. Well, he had lost his driver's license, and so they got him a driver's license, and then as they begin to pull into his history and his past, well, he had a bank account that he had forgotten about. And in this bank account was set up for him to receive money from the government because he had been in the war and he had some uh, uh, problems, that, injuries from the war, and he was getting money from the government. Well, he had so much money in that account that he was actually able to go buy a house free and clear. He had forgotten about it credit had been rolling in on his account. Interest had been credited. So think about that. You know, as we give to the Lord, there's credit, there's fruit that increases to our account. And as we send others to reach people for Christ, or in this case, the Philippian church gave to Paul, it may have been a financial gift, or may have been something else. I mean, many times Paul talks about in this chapter, he says, there were many times that I was hungry. I didn't even have anything to eat. Could it be that they had sent him some type of thing or maybe sent word? or I don't know. But Paul says, you guys supplied all of my needs that I had need of. And he says, fruit has been credited to your account. So there's a pattern there of giving and receiving, giving and receiving. And you see that, it's just a constant circle. You know, I really don't want to miss out on what the Lord has for my life. And as I give, I never know what that's going to happen. I don't, and I don't know what the end of that's going to be. It may be that God's going to do something great with that. Maybe that the Lord's going to use that, bring people to Christ, I'm not sure. But there is a pattern there of giving and receiving, fruit being added unto our count, Verse 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. And verse 19, Paul says, because you have been living on mission and giving in return, Paul says, God's going to supply all of your needs. Think about this Philippian church. Maybe they were struggling. I don't know. Maybe Paul knew of some needs that they had. And Paul says, God's going to supply all of your needs. You know, the Lord has blessed this congregation in such an amazing way. I mean, we are just so thankful for what God has done here. And we should never take that into, you know, just be flippant about it. We should thank the Lord for what God has done here. And, you know, there are other churches that are struggling. I mean, they might be struggling to pay their bills from month to month. I mean, it could be that they may take up an offering and say, Lord, we don't even have the money here to keep the lights on for this month. God, you're going to have to pay for this. But God has blessed us. God has provided for our needs. And we should never look at that and say, oh, look at all this that we have. We should be giving. We should be giving with a heart of joy, with a heart of gratitude towards the Lord. Whatever he's done for us, we give back to him. And the Bible says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now take a look here at these gifts. Because this is interesting. Paul says, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus The gifts you sent. What were these gifts? Paul says that they were a fragrant offering. They were an acceptable sacrifice. And they were pleasing to God. You know, my mind wanders back to, uh, for example, example, like Romans chapter 12, verse uh, number 2. He says, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable worship. So was it a financial gift that Epaphroditus gave? May, may have not been. It could have been that Epaphroditus went to Paul and he was just there to be an encouragement to him. He gave his life to Paul to help him for the furtherance of the gospel. I think about in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 16, Bible tells us through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of his lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So let's take out here a look at a few other verses here about Epaphroditus. We're going to look here in chapter uh, number three about Epaphroditus. And some, or excuse me, uh, chapter number two about some things about him. In verses 25 through 27 here. Take note here of a few things that Paul mentions about Epaphroditus. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, take notice what Paul says about Epaphroditus. He says that he was a fellow worker of the gospel. And not only that, he was a fellow soldier of the gospel. And he was the messenger from Philippi. Epaphroditus was from this church at Philippi. He was not a church planner. He was not the main dude. He was just a fellow worker. He was somebody that said, I'm gonna take the words of the Lord seriously and I'm gonna live on mission and I'm gonna follow through with what God wants me to do for the furtherance of the gospel. And he followed through with that. He lived on mission. You know, I just want you to think about this just for a moment. I mean, God's word tells us that Epaphroditus was from this church. Can you imagine? I mean, let's just assume like this is the church of Philippi, just for a moment, okay? A letter comes. Now, think about this. I mean, they didn't have uh, FedEx. They didn't have UPS. They didn't have FedUp, okay? That's UPS and FedEx combined. But anyways, um, they didn't have email. These letters were sent by hand, these letters traveled across sea. They came by horseback. It took a long time. The church hears, we got a letter from Paul. Let's read it. They gather together on a Sunday morning and they're together. Maybe they're in somebody's house and they're reading it and as they're reading it, they begin to hear about Paul's needs. Paul maybe begins to tell them, says, hey, I am suffering greatly here in Rome. Uh, The hand, the government's hand is upon me and and I don't know what's going to happen. I may wind up in prison. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going through some difficult times. And as they're reading this letter, something begins to burn in the heart of Epaphroditus. And he begins to hear about Paul's needs and and he, he hears about it. He says, man, he needs some help. And his mind begins to think back about what the Lord had done for him. Maybe Epaphroditus was steeped deeply in some type of Greek culture where he worshipped the God of Diana. I don't know. Maybe he was was struggling with things in his life, but he heard the message of Christ and, and Christ redeemed him. Maybe he was a convert of Paul. Maybe when Paul traveled through Philippi, he was one of the person that was in the marketplace and... Paul struck up a conversation with him and spent time with him and led him to Christ. I don't know, but something was burning in the heart of Epaphroditus, and he says, "I'm going to live on mission, and I'm going to fulfill what God wants me to do to help Paul spread the gospel." And so what does Epaphroditus do? He packs his bags, and he heads over to Rome, and he goes over there where Paul is, where he's in prison. And he spends time with him. Notice what the text says here. Because I love this. It says, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So evidently another letter got sent to the church of Philippi. And they heard about Epaphroditus who's in Rome. They said, great, he made it. What? He came down with some kind of disease. He's sick. He's, he's, He's ill over there. Something's going on. It says, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So here's Epaphroditus. He's over there. He's spending time with Paul. He's ministering to his needs. He's a fellow soldier. Maybe while Paul was in prison, Paul says, hey, I need you to get these letters out to these churches. Epaphroditus says, I can do that. I can do that. Paul, that's no problem. I can do that. Maybe it was, hey, Epaphroditus, I need some more paper. I can do that. I can go get that. Epaphroditus, I need you to go over to this church and talk to him about this. I need an answer for that. I can do that. Paphroditus was a fellow minister. He was a soldier of the gospel. And he went just to help Paul with whatever it was for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul here talks about this. And Paphroditus now, he's there in Rome He's sick. And what's interesting, too, is we're going to read here in these other verses. Look here in verse 28 through 30. He says, I am the more eager to send him, Epaphroditus, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the, the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Think about that. Here's Epaphroditus. He's in Rome and he's doing whatever Paul needs him to do for the furtherance of the gospel. And could it possibly be, yes, he was sick. Could it possibly be that he narrowly escaped his life because the government was after him? I don't know. But Paul says that he nearly died giving his life for the sake of the gospel. This was a man that lived on mission. He was determined to make sure that the message of Jesus was proclaimed. You know, we have it so easy here in America. We have sitting on padded chairs this morning. We have an air conditioning system, heat. We thank the Lord for all of that. But you know there are people in other countries around the world that don't have the luxuries that we have and they are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. And I have to look at my own life and I have to say, Lord, what is lacking in my life to complete the furtherance of the gospel? You said, Well, Mike, you, you came here to, to, to pastor and you, you're leaving Ohio and you're gonna move here and boy, you've given a lot. No, I haven't. Jesus gave all. He laid down his life and he gave all. What is lacking in my life for the furtherance of the gospel? Paul says Epaphroditus nearly died for the sake of the gospel. You know, all of us have been given great talents. All of us have been given this great commission from the Lord. And you know, the Lord is going to use us all in different ways. You may have a different talent that I have. Evidently, Epaphroditus had a certain talent that Paul was going to be able to use that was different from somebody else. That's what makes the church so unique. Aren't you glad that we're all not in here like Tom? I mean, wouldn't that be a boring world? We love you, Tom. (laughs) But God wants to use us uniquely according to the gifts and talents that he's given us. So my question here is, how are we using those gifts and talents for the furtherance of the gospel? We all can't be pastor-teachers. But we all can do something. I want to fulfill what God has given me to do, and I would hope that you would want to fulfill what God has given you to do as well. So we all need to understand that the Lord has brought us all together for a single purpose, and that is to proclaim Jesus. So how are you proclaiming Jesus? What are you doing to proclaim Jesus? You holding a big sign up that says, repent, go to hell? Okay, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that, okay? Um, what are you doing to proclaim Christ? Where you live, where God has planted you. You know, Jerry, you talked about flying. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, when you're on the plane... You know, when you first start to climb the altitude there, you can look out and you start, everything starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You see the roads. You're like, hey, I think that's uh, such and such street. And, oh, yeah, there's a stoplight over there. And, oh, look, there's Dunkin' Donuts over there. And, oh, yeah, I can see that. And then things start getting smaller and smaller. And did you ever look out and you see trees? They're just kind of scattered all over the place. But then sometimes you see trees that are planted perfectly perfectly. In a row. Did you know that was on purpose? God has planted us here on purpose for a reason. What are we doing to live on mission to proclaim Christ? So I want to give you ten things here. I really don't have an outline here this morning. Okay? But I want to give you ten things that I think would be helpful for you to learn how to live on mission. Let's take a look here at them. Now, these here, these are not original with me, okay? But I, I saw these and I thought, well, these are great. I, I think these are, these are really helpful. So number one, pray. So important. So important that we pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, please direct me and show me how to live on mission. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Pray for the certain purpose of living on mission. God, what is it that you want me to to do to proclaim Christ to others. Secondly, love. Jesus said, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He says on these two hang all the law. Love. We need to love people. We need to love them with a genuine love, an interest in their lives. Loving them with a Christ type love. Recognizing that this is a human being that's going to live et- in eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell. And we need to love them, spending time with them. Thirdly, schedule time. I believe in divine appointments. You know, all of us are busy. We have our iPhones that tell us what we got to do today. We talk to Siri and say, hey, Siri, what do I got planned today? And she says, nothing. But we all have time. We need to schedule time for interruptions. You know, it's no no accident that you have a flat tire. And you have to go to that place right there to get it fixed. It's not an accident. That's a divine appointment. It's no accident that you're traveling on an airplane and you sit next to that Guy, that's weird. Okay? It's no accident. That's a divine appointment. We need to schedule that time for divine appointments. God purposely brings people into our path for the purpose of living on mission. Schedule time. Number four, go where people are. How many of you have Pokemon Go on your phone? Nobody? Really? Some of you are like, pokey, what? (laughs) If you go right down here at Goshen where the, uh, the courthouse is, just drive by there around nighttime. Do you see all the people that are out? And they got their phone and they're going like this. That's where people are. Think about that. Go where people are. Where did Paul always go? He went into the marketplaces. He found where people were at. He was going to live on mission. Maybe that's where he found Epaphroditus. I don't know. Maybe Epaphroditus had Pokemon something. I don't know. But he went where people were at. Go where people are at. Don't be a hermit. Don't live inside of a, your car or your house all the time. Okay. Go where people are at. Encounter people. That, uh, that Pokemon Go, there's a, um, there's a Catholic church up near where uh, Jamie's parents live. Uh, They're in Girard, Pennsylvania. And out there, they have the Stations of the Cross. okay, And evidently, that's a Pokemon gym. Now, I've really lost everybody, I'm sure, right? You're like, what? Gym, what? <laughs> okay. But anyways, they have the Stations of the Cross out there. And there are people out there, and they go to these different stations of the cross, and they go there with their Pokemon thing, and it says, Jesus was crucified. Jesus was buried at each station. And when they go, it comes up on their phone. Jesus was crucified. So these guys are out there, and they're reading this. They're looking for their little Pokemon guys, and they're seeing Jesus was crucified. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. Now, think about that. I mean, it's amazing what God is using in that sense to proclaim the gospel. But go where people are. You know, we have the First Fridays. How many go to First Fridays? Yeah, okay. How many stay away from that altogether? Okay, all right. (laughs) But think about that. That's where people are at. We need to go, going, going. Lord Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. Go. Go where people are at. So schedule time. Go where people are at. Love. Pray. Number five. Do what you love with others. Some of you have hobbies that are unique, okay? Um, like, I don't know, maybe you like playing ping pong. I don't know. But you do something unique that is, that is different from anything else. Or maybe there are, diff- are hobbies that are together in here. Maybe there are things that you do that you know people, like, uh, for instance, um, how many of you gals are into the stampin' up, scrapbooking type stuff? Okay, a few of you, all right. Um, Some of you are into that. And you know what? You encounter people, you spend time with them, and those people may know Christ or they may not know Christ, but spend time with those people, and doing what they do, building relationships with them. You talk to them about Christ. You talk to them about how the Lord is working in your life. This is what this is all about, living on mission, doing what you love with others. Number six, find out your spiritual gifts and use them. How many of you say, Mike, I know exactly what my spiritual gifts are? Okay, a few of you. How many of you do not know what your spiritual gifts are? Okay. What I would encourage you to do, just get online, Google spiritual gifts test, okay? Print it out or take it online there. Find out what your spiritual gifts are and use them. Epaphroditus evidently knew what his spiritual gifts were because he was able to go to Paul and he was able to use those gifts for the furtherance of the gospel. So find out what your spiritual gifts are. Some of you are great with with, um, organizing things or some of you are really good with coming up with ideas and, and doing those types. Some of you are really great at talking. That's great. That's an amazing spiritual gift. So you can use that to the advantage of living on mission. So find out your spiritual gifts and use them. Number seven, Learn how to ask questions and listen. When you talk to people, ask questions. Ask questions about their life. Take an interest in who they are. Listen to them. Don't just talk about you. Listen to what they have to say. I have found that when you encounter people and you listen to their story, the Lord will open up Opportunities for you to bring the gospel into that. They may start talking about a tragedy that happened in their life. They may start talking about an illness that they had in their life. They may talk about something that's going on in their life. And you can bring that to spiritual things and begin talking about the Lord. So ask questions and listen. Number eight. Share your story. Talk about what God had done in your life. You know, all of us have stories in here about how God has redeemed us, about how Christ took us from our sin and how He brought us into a relationship with Him. And that is an amazing story to tell somebody. And as you build a relationship with people doing things with, what other people do, going where people are, asking questions, listening to them, God gives you that opportunity to share your story, to say, hey, let me tell you what God done in my life. Man, I was, I was miserable. The Lord just intervened in my, on my behalf, and, and I heard about Jesus and how he offered forgiveness of sins and how he could redeem me and how he could give me new life in Christ. And I accepted Jesus as my savior and I I accepted his free gift of eternal life and Jesus has completely changed my life. Share your story with others. Number nine, invite them into your community. This community. This is our community here, church community. Invite them to be a part of your community. You know, we're gonna be having this harvest fest. What are we doing? We're inviting them to be part of our community. We're inviting them to share the love of Christ with them. We're inviting them to take an interest in their lives. Who knows? We might find somebody that may come and they might be going through a difficult time. Maybe it might be a husband and wife that are on the verge of divorce. And they say, you know, let's take the kids over there. Let's let's just go over there. And we can share Christ with them. We don't know but invite them into your community. Number 10, share the gospel. Tell them about Christ. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the only remedy for sin. It is the only remedy so that we might come into the presence of God. No amount of good works, baptism, going to church, being a good person will ever put people in the right standing with God. They must come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They must have a renewed relationship with the Lord. They must hear about Jesus, what he did for them, and how he can save them from their sins, share the gospel with them. You say, Mike, I have a hard time articulating the gospel. You know, we have some uh, gospel tracts out there in the foyer. Read through them. See how it, see how it lays it out, that Jesus died, for their sins, that Jesus was buried, and that he rose again. That's the gospel. And learn how to articulate that. Spend some time reading through the crucifixion story and what the Lord did and how how he gave his life so that we might have life, but share the gospel. Now, there's an important question that must be answered in all of this. Why? Why should we live on mission? Why should we spend our time giving to the Lord? Why? It should be because of the worthiness of Christ. Christ is worthy for us to live on mission. I find that when I do not speak for Jesus, when I don't spend time with people to bring them into a relationship with Christ, It's because I have forgotten how worthy Jesus is of that mission. How grateful would you be if you were walking down the street and some person in a crazy car started coming at you and they ran up on the curb and you didn't see it and your friend took you and pulled you out of the way? How grateful would you be? You'd be pretty grateful, right? Right? How much more grateful would you be if you were walking in a mountain somewhere and you started to stumble and you fell and you almost fell off the side of a cliff, I mean, to your death, but your friend grabbed you and snatched you and brought you back up out of that? How grateful would you be? Probably even more grateful, right? Jesus has redeemed us from hell. He's redeemed us from the bondage of sin He's brought us into new life with him. And Christ is worthy for us to live on mission. Epaphroditus knew that. He says, God has done something great in my life, and I'm going to give, whatever it may be. He says, I'm just going to go. I'm going to help in whatever I can do to help the furtherance of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity we've had to look into your word. And God, help us as believers in Christ to live on mission. Help us to remember the sacrifice that you gave for us on the cross of Calvary and how how your son bled and he died for us so that we might have life. God, his body was broken and his blood was spilled out. And you gave. you gave your love Lord your love was commended to us in that while we were yet a sinner Christ died for us God please help us to live on mission for the furtherance of the gospel to bring people into a relationship with Christ please use our faults and God please use our inadequacies and our just the things that may not even seem significant. Lord, you have a purpose behind all that because you can take the the things that are small and make them big. You can make the things that are weak and you can make them strong. And Lord, we just put all those things into your hands that you will use us for your purpose. Help us to remember that our purpose is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We thank you, we love you, and we ask all this in Christ's name.